Welcome to the Women in Industry podcast. My name is Kirsty Davis Chinnock, and today I'm talking to Emma Hockley. Emma is the Managing Director at Big Bear Plastic Products Limited. And Big Bear Plastic Products Limited are the UK's leading manufacturer of te technical thermoform plastic components, and they specialise in the design, development, prototyping and production of large and medium-sized vacuum form parts in single sheet, twin sheet and pressure forming technology. Um, and I don't know much at all about technical thermoform plastic components, so I'm looking forward to finding out. So welcome, Emma. It's lovely to see you again. Thank you, Kirsty. Thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this podcast. I'm really excited. Thank you. Well, the last time we met was also a really, well, much more exciting event, wasn't it, than a <laughs> podcast? It was at the Manufacturer Top 100. And so congratulations on being named a Top 100 in 2023. Um, what, what's, what's that meant to you? Well, it was lovely to to have that recognition, um, and I really took it more for the for the company than for myself personally, because you know we've been on such a journey over the last few years, really, and and especially in the last twelve to fifteen months, it's been a really hard uh, slog. So uh, to have that kind of just a little recognition um, was was really nice and something that I took back to my whole team just to say well done and thank you because um, everyone's put in so much work to to get us to where we are now. I, I think everyone over the last 12 months has sort of seen it's been a bit of a hard slog. Um, but you're not a stranger to um, hard work because you took over as MD in the middle of the pandemic in 2020, didn't you? Yes, I did. Uh, lucky me, <laughs> the honour of uh, taking over. Um, yeah, March twenty twenty. So certainly uh, was a, a baptism of fire, um, and seemed to like most of my manufacturing career learnt the hard way. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a, a very uh, a very difficult time for everybody, really. But there was a real feeling of camaraderie, I think, and. Um, team spirit and not just here at Big Bear, but amongst all manufacturers. And um, I think everybody really wanted to support each other during that time because it was something new for, for everyone. And yes, it was new for me as an MD, but there wasn't another MD who'd been through that same situation either, I suppose. So um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a very busy time. I don't think I kept hearing about you know, people at home watching Netflix and baking bread and stuff. And I was like, oh, never been busier in my life. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was a bit crazy, but it was uh, a good learning experience for sure. I can really empathise because I took over as MD three months before the financial crash in 2008. Um, and that actually forms part of my bio now. And I just sort of say, I've always had impeccable timing. <laughs> but I hear you with the COVID, everyone baking bread. I developed what I, I term COVID Tourette's, um, sort of driving to and from work 15, 16 hour days, seven days a week. And all the radio adverts were about taking your walk, baking your bread, and I just yeah. used to swear at the radio. Yeah. So you've had a baptism of fire, as you say, in your career in uh, manufacturing. Um, but prior to manufacturing, you had a really, really successful career um, at Harrods in the in the buying department, you know, with a massive budget. Um, 
tell me about how you started at Harrods and how you sort of moved to the position you held there. Yes, well, you couldn't imagine a more different working environment than this factory at Harrods. But um, yeah, talk about from one extreme to the other. Um, I, I started at Harrods uh, on work experience. Um, I got some work experience and then they invited me to stay. Um, I started in the press office um, and then I, I was doing PR for the women's wear and the fashion. And then I moved across to beauty. Um, and eventually I took over all the PR marketing for the beauty division. Um, and then I became the perfumer and cosmetics buyer. And I did that role for about three or four years. And then I was headed up the marketing for the beauty division, um, which was about a hundred million pound business, as you say. So, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was an amazing place to work. I was there during the Mr. Fayed era. Uh, so it was all about retail theater and, uh, my job was very much, uh, I mean, we're working with the best brands in the world. So it was a real privilege and, um, they wanted to work with Harrods and because we were a window to the world for these brands and, you know, people come to Harrods and they want to see something that they can't find anywhere else in the world. So my job was to negotiate uh, with the brands to give us exclusive launches before anybody else. So with the fragrance launches, they, they would be big splashes across the store, across all of the front windows um, on all the promotional sites. And anytime you see a brand at Harrods that's uh, on those sites, they they pay for the privilege of being on those promotional sites um so it was my job to make sure that all those sites were sold throughout the year that we change them over every two weeks to a new brand a new exclusive launch um and now i think there were about five different promotional sites and windows and uh, the, the harrods magazine so i had to sell all of that uh, marketing collateral to the brands that i was working with and negotiating to bring in exclusively as well and then it was negotiating the brand adjacencies because it's all about the politics with Dior, can't sit next to Chanel. And <laughs> um, they do yeah. on my dressing table, so they just yeah. have to like it, was it great and love it, I'm afraid. It was, it was a really fun place to work. I mean, it was hard. It was very high standards, very high expectation. You can imagine uh, being run by Mr. Mr. Fayed, was, um, who was quite a hard boss to work for. But, um, you know, I think people really enjoyed it there because it was just so magical and so different and my boss uh she was a little bit like um you know uh, meryl streep's character in the devil wears prada yeah, it's really... it was very like that but she was she was really really tough but she was really inspiring as well and she was she could be horrible but she was so you wanted to do a good job for her and you wanted uh, to please her really and she was very inspiring and uh, taught me a lot about business and a lot about customers and um, everything really. So I was very lucky to, to have the opportunity to work for her and indeed a, a lot of inspirational women there because a lot more women in senior roles there than there certainly are that I come across today. So so that was, a, that was another thing that was very different. And the, I mean, there is only one Harrods. So it's, you know, it's, there are very few businesses where there is just the one, even going back to, you know, Dior and Chanel, um, they're unique to themselves, but they sit alongside, but obviously not too close to other really sort of high profile brands, don't they? Um, and obviously you were there, what, nine years, was it? Yeah, something like that. And then you moved back to Birmingham, uh, you and your husband, 
um, to be closer to your family when you were um, starting your own family. And when you were looking to go back to work after you had your son, did you sort of plan to work with your father or, you know, did you have any inkling that that would happen? No, not really. It wasn't on my agenda. I mean, I loved working at Harrods. Um, and when I left Harrods, I actually left on maternity leave. I didn't plan to be off permanently. But um, over the course of being away and having gone back to Birmingham, um, I just thought there's there's no way I can work at Harrods and and do this you know it's it's not going to be feasible so um i you know i had i had ideas grand ideas of you know nipping up on the train and back again <laughs> but it just it wasn't that kind of place and um it was great at a time in my life where i didn't have children and you know i didn't have to be home by a certain time and i could do all the after work events and the breakfast meetings and all the things that you know that came with that particular role which was Fab when you're not having to rush home for bath time or dinner time or whatever. Um, so uh, yeah, it wasn't really feasible. So then I was looking for something else that maybe um, I could be doing. And um, I'd done some marketing work previously for, for uh, one of my dad's companies. And um, so yeah, so I started at Big Bear just uh, doing some marketing work. I went in to revamp the the website because the website was was really old and needed a, a facelift so so i did that and then i just kind of never left <laughs> i saw some questions uh, when someone was interviewing you and you said that the more questions you asked about big bear when you were sort of doing the initial marketing bits and the website bit and then the next bit that the more you got interested and the more it sort of sort of grabbed hold of you I mean was there a single eureka moment or had you sort of been there a while and then suddenly realized you knew what you were doing no I'm still waiting for that moment <laughs> tell me about um, it <laughs> I just think you know the more you I mean I've obviously grown up listening to my father talking about plastics or um you know you know he'd pick up the the blueberry container at breakfast <laughs> oh we could make that um but uh it never really been on my agenda that i would join the business and um i was having a great time at harrods and it didn't really occur to me until i started working here and um and i think it's like anything the more you start to understand it the more you become interested in it and the more you want to find out and you know i started to ask at home to my dad you know well, why why do they do it like that you know that seems really odd or what what does wouldn't it be better if they did it like this? And he'd sort of turn around to me and say, well, don't ask me, ask them. Because <laughs> at, at that point, you know, he wasn't that involved in the in the day-to-day -day running of the business. Um, he'd uh, previously, his previous company was acquired in 1998. And, you know, he'd kind of started Big Bear as a, a second company and uh, it was it was being run sort of for him really. And so I started there and, um, yeah, I think uh, generally made a bit of a nuisance of myself and wanted to know, well, why why do we do it like this? What? <laughs> but yeah, I generally wasn't that well received in terms of my questions because... Um, We've always done know, it that way. Yeah, exactly. That was the response, you know, because we do, you know, and I assumed that because I didn't know my background wasn't manufacturing or because, um, you know, I'm not an engineer or, well, they must know better than I do. Um, 
so it was I found it really hard to challenge and you know I'd raise things with my with my father and he'd be like yes you're right that that you should ask them but when I asked the question at work it was very hard to kind of push through the well that's how it's done you know <laughs> and we, we ain't changing <laughs> um so that was a big challenge uh, for for a while change management is difficult particularly um when you've got a team who've who've been there you know for, for a while you've got yeah it, it's a it's a double-edged sword you've got people who are good at what they do they're loyal they come in every day they've done that for years um and you, you couldn't run the company without them but because they've come in every day for years and they're loyal and they've always done it that way you know you can get them to change and even if they agree with you if you go back two weeks later they've gone back to how they used to do it um and it's just about being consistent in that um I would have thought that you being sort of completely from a different industry um on the one hand whilst it would be more challenging to ask the questions and get the response you wanted. On the other hand, because you're looking at it with completely fresh eyes, no preconceived ideas, that you'd actually notice more than a lot of other people would. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. And I think I did notice a lot of things. But at the time, when I was quite new into coming in, I didn't have the confidence to have the courage of conviction to say, no, that's not right. It should be, you know, let's try it a different way or push back on being told no all the time. And it was it was quite demoralizing, to be honest with you, because I wanted to make changes and I wanted to do things, but I didn't have, whether it was my own lack of self-belief or, you know, nobody, when I, I think when I came here, you know, I was the boss's daughter and I'd just come out of Harrods, you know, it was very much like, well, what do you know? And um, possibly quite rightly, but it wasn't, oh, well, maybe she brings a different perspective and, you know, she's worked with... Nobody asked me what I'd done before or what I could bring. I was just kind of put in a corner and, um, you know, it's left to my own devices. So I wasn't able to sort of say, well, I've worked with the top brands in the world and I've negotiated exclusive launches and I've million pound deals and perhaps, you know, I might be well-placed doing sales or marketing or, you know, so I was very much kind of just left and um yeah that's why I, st- I started to ask questions and and do things on my own accord and then um but what i realized then when i when i did eventually was able to bring in a new team later on i felt very vindicated because you know the the new team walked in and were like right you need to do this this and this and i was like yes. told you <laughs> that's a but for my own i don't know you know my own lack of conviction or my own weakness i wasn't able to as my dad would say, make it happen um, at the shop floor level because I, I didn't have the backing of the the team that were there at the time in terms of, you know, that that level of, yeah, let's try something new. Um, and, and the so, whole th- point about trying something new is if you try 10 things, not all 10 are going to work and you need to try it, make the mistake, see it fail and go, it was worth a punt, but that's absolutely. not going to work. Let's throw that idea in the bin or at least put it in a cupboard and it might work in the future with different technology or different machinery. But the only way you're going to learn and grow as an individual or or, or a company is to try it and get it wrong. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, well, definitely done that. But uh, yeah, absolutely, you've got to try, or you don't know. You can't discount something if you haven't tried it. Um, so yeah. So once you sort of started to ask the questions and got more confident, um, and and were starting to lead the teams at Big Bear, did did your you know really extensive um, and impressive experience at Harrods? Did that then start to help? booster your confidence did you sort of start to go I do know what I'm doing well I think I my main challenge personally I'm being very honest with you on this <laughs> this podcast was my self-confidence with at at the, the factory at in Big Bear because externally with the customers the training that I'd had from Harrods was excellent and put me in really good stead to deal with those uh, it's sometimes difficult conversations that one has to have with customers or to to talk to to you know anybody really outside the business I was absolutely fine with but it was more internally um, where I struggled because um, I just felt the resistance um, I'm not quite sure why because me being here provided a a a roadmap for the company and uh, a long-term path of progression for for the company so yeah it was a bit frustrating to encounter a bit of negativity and um resistance to to trying new things and uh, moving forward um at that time but you know as i say things have turned around completely since then so um and it makes it's taught me what a difference it makes when you've got the right people around you who support you and you know, have, you know, just, just want the company to succeed, which is what, which is what we all want. And when you sort of took over as MD um, and you started to make those changes um, and you were in the pandemic and really busy and trying to support everybody. And as you said earlier, it was a difficult time for everybody, all manufacturers who weren't at home baking bread. Um, is that when you sort of really saw yourself as a more confident leader yeah i think so i think that really helped me because um because of the situation with the covid and a lot of the team being on furlough it taught me a lot because i had to do a lot myself um things that maybe i would have uh, passed on to a team member or something i couldn't because they weren't here so that really helped me to kind of really get stuck in and understand the business a lot better um, so, so that helped a lot. But our our biggest catalyst for change really came after the pandemic, um, and that was just as we were kind of finding our feet again. Um, and uh, what one of the biggest, uh, basically one of our largest competitors had a had a very terrible fire, um, and uh, it threw the whole supply chain into into turmoil. It was a very very difficult situation. Um, and we were obviously asked to to support as best we could, which we did. And we took on a lot of work very, very quickly, which was totally unplanned and totally unprecedented. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not something we were expecting. And we had to turn product from tools that were fire damaged and not designed for our machines. All the while, customers screaming at us and wanting parts quick, quick, quick. Meanwhile, continuing to build machines. Um, so building up a backlog of of, of machines that needed parts as well. So that was uh, a very big challenge for, for the company. And um, one I'm, I'm pleased to say we've now overcome. Um, but uh, that, as I say, that was a, a big catalyst for us to look at doing things differently um, and, and make a lot of positive changes. 
and you've mentioned it today and I know you've mentioned it in the past as well um where, when we spoke um about you're very vocal about employing the best people for the role and to give them autonomy in that role um so you know they get on do their job and then you're not sort of having to manage them um which is what everybody wants you know you want to come in do your job have everybody else do theirs um to the best of their ability but you've really got a strong team around you and you've promoted people over the last few years to to directors um is this a benefit um of sort of coming into a new industry um and looking at it with different eyes or is that how you saw it in your previous career i think possibly i think at harrods there was a very clear hierarchy and a very clear structure of um you know top down um but you were given a certain degree of autonomy but i think here it's um we we have all new um senior leadership team that's come in over the last few months so um new operations director a new engineering director a new commercial director so that's uh, as a brand new team and we're all sort of bringing our own strengths and we all respect each other for what we bring we all recognize that we don't we all have different skills and different weaknesses and we complement each other quite nicely and i think there's a nice relationship there that we all kind of work together quite nicely um and that, and that's what a team is it's everyone bringing different skills and you and you can't do everything yourself you have to um you know trust that you've got people who know what they're doing on that that area and and let them get on with it to a certain degree i suppose <laughs> yeah yeah no completely um and i have to ask um because i don't know um what are technical thermoform plastic components because we haven't actually covered that yet so i know you do something with plastic but i don't actually know what it is that you do yeah, well i'm not technical but uh, <laughs> basically um uh, we we do medium to very large size uh plastic molded parts um so things like um roofs for diggers and tractors um bumper panels for caravans, seat backs and seat shells for aircraft and um, all manner of different things in, and we can mold up to very large, large parts up to three and a half meters by two and a half meters, which is um, I think probably one of the largest in the, in the country um, in using vacuum forming, which is essentially taking a flat sheet of plastic, heating it up till it becomes soft and then applying it to a mold tool um, and molding the part and then we trim it using CNC trimming machines. Um, we also do compression molding, uh, thermocompression, which essentially is taking a sheet but squashing it between uh, two tools rather than sucking it on with vacuum forming. Um, so we use that to make uh, lightweight interior trim components such as headliners and door trim panels, things like that. And um, we also have water jet cutting facilities as well. That sounded very technical to me because I don't know. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a metals girl. I don't touch plastic. <laughs> um, but obviously having different ways that you, you'll form the products that you make mean that you can, um, as you say, working in the larger end and also the lightweight so you, you can service more markets, which um, it sounds like you, you had to do very quickly um, over the last 
12 months or so um, when your supply chain went slightly skew-if. Um, and, and we had something similar last year with the metal supply chain. Um, and it's another type of challenge, isn't it? You've got one challenge when it's really quiet and, you know, sort of pushing salespeople going, get more orders, get more orders. And then when you're overly busy and you, not that you've oversold the capacity, but you um, you have more to get through the machines than it will do, you know, it needs to, is it done yet? Go quicker, go quicker. And Well, that's where we were it, last summer. You know, that's exactly the situation we found ourselves in, which was, wasn't planned um, as a result of the other company, unfortunately, having the, the fire. Um, and yeah, that was, that was very, very stressful. We're now in a different position where we've overcome that we've stabilized the company we completely up to up to date with all of our customers and now we're looking to to grow the company and to to look for new business but that also is is challenging in itself um so yeah it never seems easy this game there's, there's no always... it's always it's always one or the other i always <laughs> say to the team here the best time to look for new business is when you're absolutely flat out and You've got, you know, it's like, oh, everybody wants this for Thursday, but we can only do 50 tonne tomorrow um, and we need to get 100 tonne done for Thursday. And, our, you know, my answer is, well, we'll probably get 65. And no one said what time on Thursday. So, you know, it's <laughs> probably, it'll be near enough 100 tonne by Thursday. Trust me. You know, we'll juggle a bit. Um, but that's the best time to look for new business when you're busy but of course you're so busy communicating with customers managing expectations um holding your hands up when something goes wrong because it always does when you're busy um that it's it's difficult to do that isn't it and you no know, it's it's never what we want it's very rare you get the sweet spot it's um yeah. not enough or too much although i'd always rather have that too much challenge I would now. I think now that we've um, done so much hard work um, to upgrade the company and to uh, improve our processes and, you know, we're doing a lot of work at the moment on things like our health and safety processes and uh, we're working towards getting an accreditation in health and safety. And of course, the next one we want to go for will be environmental because that's becoming important to our customers as well. Um, so, you know, we're doing a lot to to upgrade our whole facility and our housekeeping is better than it's ever been. Um, but like you say, it's, uh, you know, it was last year when we were in the, all the chaos of uh, the new business that we were getting loads and loads of inquiries. And, um, you know, we were having to say, well, oh, it's not the best time to be taking on new business because we're so busy. But um, yeah, but now, of course, we're in a much better position to to deal with those new inquiries and to to provide a really good service. And that's it. You know, you can only sell the machine time once, mm. maybe one in a bit. <laughs> but well, you... we're doing some investment in new machines as well, which is quite exciting. So um, we're going to be getting some, we've already invested in three new machines last year and um, hopefully, no, actually last year and this year and another one coming in at the end of this year. So, um, yeah, we're starting to increase our capacity by investing in some new kits, which is which is exciting. And as well as investing in new kit, you've had a busy few months with awards as <laughs> well, being shortlisted for awards. So you were shortlisted and a finalist in the inaugural Engineering and Manufacturing Awards for Industry Leader, which is rather snazzy. 
And the Plastic Industry Awards, you're finalists in the Best Business Initiative as well. So that must be really good for the team, for them to sort of go, yeah, you know, we, we, we did that. Absolutely. And that's what I said at the beginning um, when you asked me about the top 100. Um, we've also, by the way, been shortlisted for the Make UK Regional um, Awards for the SME of the Year, which is super exciting. So, oh, fabulous. Um, yeah. So, and, and yes, it's very much a, a team team award um if we if we were so lucky to win it but just to be nominated is is really nice to be able to get our name out there and to raise our profile a little bit and to just to show how far we've come in in such a short time um and all the hard work that everyone's put in uh, i mean when we were at the height of the uh the the, the chaos as the fallout of the the competitor fire um last year you know people were working weekends nights bank holidays um, and everyone works so hard to just to get parts out the door. Um, we've we've streamlined that massively now, cut it down to to two shifts and much better productivity. But you know, it's just the fact that everybody really did their best to to get us through such a hard time. So it's nice to be able to, you know, just to have a little bit of recognition from the industry to to see what we did <laughs> to sort of show their hard work. Because I know you reward them um, with your fish and chip van coming around <laughs> and all things like that. <laughs> Yeah, we like fish and chips and ice cream vans. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Um, so now you, you've got your productivity um, even more improved with the um, initiatives you've put in um, following on the sort of the new machines and everything else. Look into the future. What goals do you want to achieve for Big Bear going forward? Well, um, as I say, in the immediate goals are to get these accreditations for health and safety and, and environmental. I think that will take us on the next step to um, where we need to be with our customer base that we have and the expectation that they have for us. Um, I'd like to continue investing in new newness um, and really just to to make the business successful and you know we've, we've spent so long and so, so much hard work just to sort of treading water and just trying to keep our heads above the the waterline and um it would just be nice to be able to have some success and for the whole team and for me it's important that we have an environment that people want to come to work and improve the working surroundings and that we're a local employer of choice that people want to come here and they want to work here and um you know we already have um we're about to launch our, it's actually our 25th anniversary uh this year so we're going to do a little celebration in october and i thought it'd be a good opportunity to launch our inaugural uh long service awards um so we're going to be doing that uh and we'll be giving out an award for 25 years of, of service um so yeah just uh just keep going i guess and <laughs> try to get some success <laughs> nice. The one question I haven't asked you, which I'm quite curious about, and I really hope the awards are in the shape of a bear, by the way. Um, <laughs> but why is Big Bear called Big Bear? Yeah, everybody asks that question. I'm and nothing if not original. <laughs> it is original. And I think that's why it's called Big Bear. And that really, as I said, my, my father had a, a company which before Big Bear, which was a, a major tier one supplier to the automotive industry. It was much bigger than Big Bear, employed about a thousand people and um, uh, was an important supplier. And they were quite um, very progressive and pioneering in, in their day of what they, they did with plastic moulding technology. Um, and that was acquired in 1998 and uh, and then not one to um, 
sit back and enjoy his retirement. So my father started Big Bear with the vacuum forming machines. And uh, he he was with his technical guy and they were discussing what they were going to call the factory and well, they needed to come up with a name for the company. And Pete, his technical guy, was like, well, came up with a few suggestions that were, I think, pretty dry, you know, like plastics or us or ABC thermoforming. And I think my dad said something like, well, no one's going to remember that. We'll call it Big Bear. <laughs> And that was that. So I think it's a brilliant name, although um, I do have your operations manager saved in my mobile phone as Big Bear Johnny. So <laughs> your operations director, I should say. Um, if ever, ever anybody's going through my contacts, wondering who it is. I'm sure he'd be thrilled to know that. I'm it. sure he wouldn't. <laughs> um, and finally, last question. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Well, I've, I'm very lucky because I've been given lots of good advice over the years by lots of different people. And, um, you know, certainly being able to work with my dad has been a real privilege and to be able to learn from him and uh, learn on the job, as it were. Um, and he's given me lots of sort of sound bites advice that I always um, use and think of, one of which, of course, is make it happen. Um, and the other one is... Um, a memorable one would be uh, the quality of the results is equal to the quality of the instruction. He always said to me, there's no point blaming somebody else. If you haven't told them what to do properly, it's your fault. Um, and then I guess another one that sticks in my mind is really from my Harrods days, <laughs> which I don't know if it's advice, but more of a, an instruction. But it was um, my Devil Wears Prada boss used to say, um, teeth make smiles and smiles make sales. And she used to get up on the shop floor in front of like 300 people. <laughs> tell us all that on a Monday morning but actually she's right because you know if you treat people well and you talk to them nicely and with respect and I think it gets you a long way so that's kind of how I interpret that if you smile at people then it, it does help. <laughs> oh thank you so much Emma for coming on and talking to me I've really enjoyed um, chatting to you I'm desperately trying to think of a way I can incorporate the Devil Wears Prada into the title of your podcast. <laughs> Yeah, that would be a bit different to the other titles, I guess. Well, you know, I do try and make it slightly, you know, a bit different. Uh, the big wear, the big bear wears Prada. Bear you wear. could always go that. <laughs> a bear wearing Prada. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Emma. And I know you're going to make Big Bear into such an amazing success and enjoy your 25th anniversary as well. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs>